Hey guys, uh, Kalen here with uh, my co-host David, back for Jack of All Trades, uh, episode, what are we on, five, six? I don't know, I lost count after one. <laughs> um, today we kind of just wanted to go over a couple different things instead of just covering one topic at once, so we're going to go over uh, GME, GameStop, and you know KOSS just really quick, a couple of those companies, because we wanted to... Just run through, you know, the actual charts and like what a short squeeze is, what what to look for, and like why these kind of moves happen. Because this one was hyped a lot, but I mean, these kind of moves really do happen relatively frequently in day trading. Not to this extent, but it is something you see a lot. So we just kind of wanted to touch on that, um, and then we kind of wanted to go through uh, bodybuilding and stock trading, just kind of how they link. You know, we thought it was appropriate, being that we're called Jack of all trades. Um, just kind of touch those and you know tie them together a little bit. Uh, what else did I want to go through? Um, a little bit about on like just how long it actually does take. Cause I think with, you know, moves like this that we're seeing, everybody just gets super excited, which is fine. And I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people made a money, made a lot of money, but sure. Probably a lot more people lost money. So we just kind of wanted to touch on, you know, David and I's process and, you know, how long it actually does take to start making consistent money in the markets and depending on your life situation, stuff like that. And, uh, I think David, you had one more thing that you wanted to, to run through as well. Uh, one thing, but it's kind of. Like, it, it, there's a lot of information because I wanted to tie in, especially with the bodybuilding, that, that got me thinking. So I wanted to tie in something that, especially for people who are just starting out, that they think maybe this trading, investing thing is too much for them and they don't know how to get into it. But I wanted to talk, touch on a few things that make, may make them realize that they may have skills that, are, that can be translated to this thing without them knowing it and, and how to kind of identify those. Cause I'll, and I'll bring up my own story to give okay. those examples. Cool. All right, so uh, Sam, you mind uh, pulling up my screen here real quick and we'll just kind of walk through GME. Um, first off, just these websites, I don't know if you guys have ever seen them before, but this one here, it's called bigcharts.marketwatch.com. Um, it's really easy to use. I mean, it's got, you know, over here, when you, you just search any any quote and you hit advanced chart and then, you know, you can change your time frames, 15 minutes, you know, you can change candlesticks, chart size, all that kind of stuff. It's just just a really simple charting software that I like to use just to save patterns and stuff like that. Um, same with this one here. It's just called stockcharts.com. So same idea. You just type in the ticker up here, GME. You can change your time periods and stuff like that. Down at the bottom here, there's just a bunch of indicators you can play around with. Um, so first thing I wanted to touch on is basically this. So this is the daily chart on GME. So each one of these candlesticks you're seeing is one day. So from a day trading perspective, we just kind of wanted to go through like exactly exactly why this move happened and kind of what causes it to happen. There was there was a lot of other factors specifically that went into this one. Like, you know, a lot of people know that Robinhood, the broker, restricted trading and there was head funds that were going bankrupt on this because they were trying to short it too heavily. And, you know, interactive brokers was liquidating their clients options positions like there was all kind of stuff going on in this. But we're not going to get too much into that right now because stuff like that doesn't really happen that often. So we just wanted to touch on the actual chart pattern itself. Um, so basically what happens is if you look down here, you know, you can see kind of this, this relative top area right below 25 bucks. Um, so you get this first big candle here. Um, always check the volume, you know, volume is really, really important for, for just people's interests. So, you know, this is massive volume you're seeing. It's, you know, 150 million shares on the day. That's that's a lot of volume going on, especially if you look at the history of it. Um, it's a low float stock too. So low float meaning I think there's only 67 or so million shares available for trading, which is which is pretty low. I mean, you know, if you look at like big companies like Amazon, you know, Apple, all that kind of stuff, they got like, like billions of shares trading. So 
one person's not going to be able to influence the price so much. So these low float stocks have a tendency to move a lot more volatile anyways. Um, so you get this first big day and then basically what happens is, you know, GameStock is a garbage company. Like it's, you know, it's probably really only worth like five bucks a share. Um, you know, it goes sideways for a couple of days and then you get this next big green day right here. So I can tell you right away what's already happened is after this first day, probably a lot of people got short on this second day here because they're thinking, oh, you know, this thing's gone from, what is that, like 20 bucks up to say 40 at the high. So it's gone up 100%. You know, it kind of gapped up the next day, had a pretty weak day. It's gone red the next day. So everybody's probably starting to short in here. And then what happens is they're just they're just waiting, waiting, waiting for it to come down so they can cover their position because fundamentally this company is garbage, right? So what happens is all of a sudden volume dwindles down, you know, it goes down and down. And then all of a sudden, I think this is I don't know if this is when the Reddit guys came in, the Wall Street bets, David, or did it or did that happen right from the start? What what date is that? Uh this is the twenty second, I believe, last Friday. Uh, December? Uh no no of um January. It's the end they of January. About, they came in about two weeks ago, I think. So Did they? okay. So maybe, so maybe it was this first day they started it. And then it, it probably just that day, and that's definitely them consolidating that during that period, that, that low low volume period. Okay. So maybe that's what happened. Then this is when they, they first started talking about it, and then they were just all the buyers were just holding it up as it got more and more popular. Um so then what happens is you get this day here, which it, it breaks all these tops. So now you know, I, I want to say everybody, but obviously hedge funds went bankrupt. So not everybody covered their shorts, but most of the smart guys, as soon as this goes up and break this top, you know, they're covering their shorts, they're cutting their losses. And everybody knows, you know, when, when you cover a short, you're, you're buying to get out of the position. So you're buying, pushes the price up again, and now we're even higher, right? On even more volume, 200 million that day. And then the next day, it gaps way up. You get this big spike, which is, you know, this is like a, a picture perfect short setup, you know, big, big green day, gaps up, big spike. And then ideally you hit the top, short the top, it comes all the way back down, you know, finishes red. So anybody that's playing this, I mean, most of the guys probably play this intraday, but obviously there was a large chunk that were trying to swing their short positions overnight. So typically on this kind of a setup, you'd see this sort of thing where you have a red day, we close down here at 75. Next day, usually what happens is it opens down lower and sells off more. And then these guys will just kind of hold their short position, let it ride down for a few days or whatever, right? But in this case, what happened is it actually gapped up. So now anybody that's shorted, you know, in this, basically from, from here, you know, 80, what would that be? Maybe 90 bucks down to low here. Anybody that's short in this whole range, now all of a sudden they're underwater, right? So they're panicking because this thing's just going up, going up, going up. And obviously you have all these Reddit, Reddit guys buying it and all these people are starting to either really freak out because they're getting way underwater or they're all covering their positions. It's going up and going up and going up. And one, one thing I, I, you know, I learned this a while ago, I thought was really kind of a valuable piece of, of advice is you got you to gotta look at these in terms of you know, where the, the pro traders, I guess you could say, are going to short. So realistically the guys that are putting the most size on this thing are professional traders and they're going to be hitting pretty close to the top because they know what they're doing so anybody that's good you know they're shorting this thing probably right up around 150 and then they're letting it come down anybody that's not that good you know maybe they're getting it in the 110s anybody that really doesn't know what they're doing maybe they're shorting it down here in the 70s right so there's all these kind of levels of people that you just gotta you gotta be aware of so Sometimes you can get these little moves up and, you know, maybe it freaks out the guys that don't really know what they're doing and it comes back down. But when it gets up close to this top again, now, you know, the pros who shorted up here, 
they're underwater now too, or they're very close to it. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's what happens after market. You know, as soon as it starts to go up after hours, all these guys are just panicking, covering all their position after hours, pre-market, and it just goes, you know, this is a logarithmic scale. So this is up to, you know, 500 bucks. I think it went up to pre-market. So it went from 150 up to 500 that night. And that's basically just all these professional traders who shorted it up at the top here. They're all covering, all the hedge funds are covering. So that's that's what we call a short squeeze. Um, so we'll flip over here. This is the intraday chart. So these are all, you know, each each one of these sections from here to here, you know, this line to this line, this line to this line. Those are all one day. And each candle here is 15 minutes. Um, just as, you know, just kind of give you an indication. So again, this is this is that first day once we broke out. So if I flip back over here, that's this day right here when we first broke out. So you can see, you know, it kind of ramped up into the afternoon came across and then this is what happens. You know, you get the big gap up, you get this big spike, everybody shorts, comes down, you know, comes down further. Stock looks like it's dead. It just kind of peters along. And then this is just basically really, really steady, heavy buying pressure right here. Like this is, I don't want to say it's rare, but this is a really good indication of having like a big, big gap up the next day. Cause if you look at the volume down here too, I mean, you know, in the morning, there's not a whole heck of a lot of volume, you know, it's, it's, barely gapped up all the guys that are short up here are still saying okay whatever it's just moving sideways you know it's gonna volumes dying down it's gonna flutter off to zero but what starts happening is you know right around lunchtime it just starts creeping up you know on huge volume so it's just slowly 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 going up and it's just you know all these guys are just slowly getting pushed out of their position pushed out of their position they and, you know they might even be adding maybe it goes up here and they're adding more and they're adding more and they're adding more and they're just waiting for this thing to come down while at the same time you have all you know the reddit guys the robin hood traders they're all just steadily buying and buying and buying and buying and then you, hit, you get the close here and then what happened to the close it doesn't show on this chart but it started to go up again and then pre-market it went way up so now all of a sudden you know you get this massive gap up here in the morning and then essentially from then on it's just you know chaos like this this was the day that that robin hood I, I believe um cut off all their users from from trading the stock um, so they were allowed to close their positions if I'm, if I'm correct, but they weren't allowed to buy anymore. So yeah, only closing and selling. Right, right. So, you know, you, you gotta real, like a lot of these, a lot of the Robinhood traders, I'm, you know, I'm not bashing the Robinhood traders, but the reality is, you know, it's a free platform. So most of the people that are on there really don't know what they're doing because they're not, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, it's free, you know, we'll try it out, whatever. Um, so a lot of them, I would imagine, are just holding their positions because they're saying, oh, you know, I bought this thing a couple of days ago at 80 bucks or whatever. And now it's, you know, it's gapped up. It's 340 bucks. Perfect. This thing's going to go to a thousand. You know, I'm going to be a millionaire by Friday. Right. So that's what everybody's thinking. But if you look at the volume down here, you know, we're, we're trading, you know, average, maybe a million shares on each one of these 15 minute candles, which is not very much volume considering the past few days, you know, we had upwards of 10, 12 million on each one of these candles. So what's happened here now is this essentially reduced the float even more. So, I mean, there's no way to tell exactly what the numbers are, but let's say, you know, it's a, it's a 67 million float or whatever it is. So let's say the guys own, you know, the Robinhood guys own 50 million of those shares long. So they're all hoping this thing's gonna go up. So now you only got what, 17 million shares that are tradable now. So now you have even less of a float, which makes this thing even more volatile. So you know, you get this morning spike, maybe a bunch of these Robin Hooders, you know, sold their positions because they made a whole bunch of money here. You get this big crash, it kind of comes back up. You know, people are probably still fighting this thing, trying to short. You get these big pops usually on these because anybody that's short down here, 
who's held this whole night, you know, it comes way up, it comes down. They're thinking, okay, I got to get out of this. So, you know, they're taking a, what is that? hundred dollar loss per share, but you know, they're just trying to get out at all costs at this point. Cause they don't know how high it's going to go. And then throughout the day, it kind of trades, you know, it just trades sideways a little bit. And then here, what happens is we finally get a gap down, but now you get this big parabolic spike in the morning again. So you get this big push up, you know, all the shorts are panicking again because anybody that's, you know, maybe these guys shorted down here, right? Maybe they shorted at these bottoms. And then the next day it opens down and it's lower than this bottom. And they're thinking, great, let's get the hell out of this thing. <laughs> so they cover it and it shoots way up again, right? Or all the Robinhood guys that saw it close at 340 and, you know, or whoever, and they want to buy it and it's down at 260. They say, oh, great, it's down again. Let's buy some more, right? So it's 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 all really just this big mess of, of emotion, really, that creates these kind of moves. But um the bottom line is just, you know, when you're reading these charts on these really big, big moves, you you really don't want to just buy on emotion. You don't want to short on emotion. You you have to pay really close attention to the volume. You have to pay really close attention to what people on the opposite side of the trade would be thinking. So, you know, let's say on this day you're looking here and you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe I will buy this thing. You know, it's at 80 bucks. It went up to 150. It's kind of holding all day. All right. So I'm I'm thinking this thing's gonna go higher. So what do I need to look for? Okay, well. You know, it's bottomed out here a couple of times at 80 bucks. So, you know, I'll make my risk 80 bucks. I'll buy it here at 90 bucks. I'm risking 10 bucks. And then we'll just, you know, kind of see what happens. And you got to think on the other side. If, you know, if I'm short, okay, if I'm short from up here, then, you know, where am I going to be covering? Where am I going to be getting nervous? So you look at this, you have this big spike here. It comes down, you have another bounce, right? So a lot of people probably shorted this bounce. So you draw your line across and you're thinking, okay, so, you know, roughly 120 bucks, there's probably a lot of people that were short here at 120 bucks. So if this thing keeps creeping up and it goes through 120 bucks, I know all these guys are probably going to freak out and start to cover. So it's going to push it even higher. Same with this top, it's going to push it even higher. So it's, it's, it's really just a matter of thinking of the opposite side of the trade, you know, trying to read people's emotions through the chart, realizing who is playing this, who for the most part is very inexperienced traders, you know, where are they panicking? Where are they happy? Um, that's all the kind of stuff you want to look for. Um, so I just kind of want to go through that really quickly. Um, I'm just going to pull up KOSS as well, really quick, David. I just want to walk through that because I think it's a little bit of a cleaner chart. Um, it did something similar as well. Um, so we'll go to the I just, advanced. I just want to point out that um, if you look at the day, the day the, that Robinhood and Schwab and TD Ameritrade shut down the ability of users to buy this stock. That was the day that that stock was no longer tradable. Because even if you're on other platforms and you could buy and sell that stock, as if you go back, if you look at that chart, that was the day it became untradable. Because at that point, there was no chart pattern, no candlestick that gave you any indication of where this thing was headed. That's when right. like, the entire market broke down. So that, so for like anybody that wanted to get into that thing, those are not the days to do it because. You, there's no way to tell what's going to happen. It's so dangerous. You're just right. losing that point. Yeah, like there. I mean, there is a, there is a point in these charts where it just becomes, you know. I mean, I don't like. There is guys that know how to trade it. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not going to pretend like I am. But these first, you know, these first couple days where it becomes a, a pretty clear short squeeze. I mean, those are the kind of things that, you know, are are relatively relatively consistent that you can keep an eye on. So if we look at KOSS here, this is another one of the ones that uh, Robinhood cut off trading for. I think AMC was another one. There was an, uh, another one I can't remember, but um, same idea though, right? Like this is another one. So, you know, we have this breakout level here at 
five bucks or whatever that is. So you get this big day, you know, way less volume, obviously, 30, 30 something million, but still it breaks out, right? You get this big gap up. So anytime you see this where you get a big gap up like that, you know, this this is the day that most guys are gonna want to short, right? You know, you've you've gone from, I don't know, 350, whatever it is, up to six bucks, and now it's open the next day at eleven bucks. And it, you know, you get a bit of a morning push up to twelve bucks and you know, great. This thing's up huge. It's you know, it's a pretty junky company, so short it. It's perfect, right? Usually, get a big red candle, another couple of red candles. It just kind of trails off. It's it's very consistent. So when you see this, where you get this big day, this red day, and then it gaps up, it's the exact same thing as GME. So every now this one's actually gapped up above the high of the previous day. So every single person who's short on this day here, you know, thirty million shares traded. So you can imagine there's probably quite a few shares that are that are swinging this thing short. Every one of them is underwater. So they want to buy to cover to get out of this position. So if you look at the daily, you know, you get this little wick down and then it touches right at the top of that other wick. Because anybody who is short in this day is thinking, okay, we got to get out of this. We get a bit of a dip, just cover it at the high of the day, you know, cut our losses, we'll get out and it is what it is. And then, you know, you have this massive green day again. So if we go over to the intraday chart, this would be it here. So, you know, you get this. Uh, this this was the day I believe. Hold on, let me just pop back over here. So we had the three. Yeah. So this would have been the first day. Um, it's you know obviously with the scale of this thing you can't really see. It just looks like a horizontal line over here. But um, this is the first day, so it comes up. You know this is the red day. Gaps up, bit of a spike in the morning, and it's kind of hard to tell, but you can see it just kind of it fades basically all day. And then all of a sudden you know you get this big gap up to the twenty bucks right here in the first bar. It dips down right to this high. So everybody covers, right? And you get this big wick because, you know, it's like comes down and it shoots it right back up because everybody's covering in that wick. And then it kind of, you know, moves sideways a little bit. And then right here, anybody who didn't get out on this wick, this is all covering now. So everybody that's, you know, either shorted this on this day or they shorted back here, now they're just covering in panic to get the hell out of this thing, right? So they're squeezing up, squeezing up, squeezing up. And then Again, same thing. You probably have a bunch of guys that's shorting this up here. You know, $40 is a nice round number, you know, 40, 42 bucks. Starting short here, you get a big pullback, you know, $10 a share. That's a pretty solid move. And then same kind of thing that we see on G uh, or on GME, you know, it moves sideways throughout the day. It never really breaks down. And then at the end of the day, look what happens again. You know, you get to this high, all of a sudden you get this big green candle. So everybody that's short up here now move over, you know, it kind of sits there for a second and then boom, it just blows through because all these guys are panic covering, pushes it way up, you know, you get a bit of a dip. Then the next morning, same thing happens, you know, gaps way up, you get this big morning spike and then this huge crash, like almost identical pattern to what happened on GME. So, I, I, you know, I've already explained it all on GME, so I don't want to, you know, drag this out for too long, but that's just it, really the bottom line, guys, is you, you just, you got to try and, you got to try and look at both sides of the trade and basically whatever whatever your bias happens to be you want to be getting in when you know the other guys are going to start panicking so if i'm short i want to be getting in when you know when the longs are, are starting to freak out or if i'm long i want to be getting in when the shorts are starting to freak out right so you know if i'm if i'm shorting you know and i get this huge line here this big wick and it just slams down big red bar okay i know that anybody who bought above 100 bucks now is freaking out because they're down 40 bucks a share so I want to short this on any bounce, you know, risking the high a day. Same thing with the longs, right? You know, if you're in here and you're kind of watching this, you're thinking, oh, I might want to buy this thing. Then it comes up to new highs. You know, as soon as it breaks those highs, you're thinking, okay, everybody who's shorted this whole first part of the day, now they got to cover because they're, they're losing money every minute here. So this, you know, this is kind of where I want to buy. This is where I, 
I want to I want to take advantage of the panic of the other side of the trade. So you know, I just I, I kind of always want to touch on that. Before you move this chart, I just want to point out uh, it's, it's it's exactly the same thing as the uh, the GME, but soon as the the day that the brokerages um, put the stops in the trading, that's the day when the stock price started to move like a hundred percent in hours, not you know not in days, right? Right. So that's I just want to point out to people that it's really important to look at the volume. When you mm -hmm. have those kind of price moves and such low volume, in this case, because the brokerage had stopped trading, I wouldn't even trade that because one buy order can send that thing up 20, 30, 50 bucks mm. because there's literally no, there's not enough shares changing hands. So in order for you to make a bid, someone's like, no, I'm going to make you bid higher. And so the prices will just keep going at like astronomically higher. Right. And it, you know, it's, again, it's the same thing here. It's, this is the same time frame roughly. And you know, the first two days here, we have, we have pretty decent volume. I mean, it's, you know, it's averaging That's trading. Yep. It's averaging, you know, roughly around a million, you know, like, like GME was like 12 million, but again, and you know, in comparison, you have two days where it's roughly around a million, the brokers stopped trading and now look down here, you know, it's, it's averaging maybe two, 300,000. Right. So same, same idea. I think you, like you, you mentioned, there's a few guys that, um, on your, on your board that, or that you follow that traded this thing and made quite a lot of money. Yeah. I just want to say you can trade this, but not by looking at the chart. You can trade this if you understand, um, bet sizing, position sizing, and like, you know, you set hard stops, and you know exactly where your out's going to be. But if right. you want to trade this thinking, oh, I'm going to read the candles and it looks like it's on an uptrend, I'm going to buy into it. You're, you just lost your money. You just gave it to yeah. the market. Yeah, that's that's why you know I've said it quite a few times on the podcast. Here is you know I read a lot of psychology books because I'm really interested in in reading people's emotion, and it's you know once learning how to read emotion through a candlestick chart is is immensely helpful for for day trading, especially on these like big moves like this. Because as soon as you can see panic on one of the sides, long or short, as soon as you like you get a really good handle on that, you can tie the volume in. You know where you know all the longs are freaking out. Then that's where you just want to pile on short or vice versa, right? So yeah, it's it's it, a really really valuable tool. So someone else's emotional trading is your opportunity. Exactly. You should never be emotional. Like if <laughs> if you find yourself like that's that's why this whole week has just frustrated me because I've had so many people like, oh, you know, GME's gone up this much. Like I want to buy it. Should I buy it? Like oh, it's oh now it's up this much. Like you told me not to buy it, and then like, oh, I just bought one share. You know, I just I just figured out like you know I know it's a gamble, but I'm like you know it's just the way that they're talking to me i'm like if you're that emotional you know think about buying a house or buying a car like if you walk into the car dealership and you're going oh man you know i love this car like oh it's my favorite car my dad had this when i was a kid and the sales guy who's the market makers they can see you know oh ever you know this guy's really excited about this car he's gonna go oh like you know i've actually had three other inquiries on this car like you know you should probably like I don't know if it's going to be here by the end of the day you're going oh man okay well yeah don't worry about the discount you know i'm just going to take it right like that's 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 the way it works, right? Whereas if you're just, you know, you relax and you say like, okay, let's think this through. How much does this thing actually cost? You know, how much money do I have? Is it worth it? What are the actual upside? What's the benefits? Make an educated decision. Then that's, you know, that's what you should do. Like I, I, like I myself, like when I, if I find myself getting like, oh man, this thing's moving. Like, oh, that looks like a really good can. Like if I, if I feel myself starting to get like that, I'll just take a second, lean back and be like, okay. Let's just take a minute here because I'm getting way too emotional. I'm going to make a mistake and I'll just take a breather, you know, reassess it. And then if I still think it's a good trade, then I'll calm down and take it. But if you start getting excited or you're on the edge of your seat, like you, you need to you need to reassess what you're thinking. Yeah, I think it's important for people to like um, 
Because emotion is the only thing that could short circuit logic, right? And so right. A, a lot of times where people, they're in smart in one area of their life, once they get emotional, they can't move it over to this area. And we were talking about that earlier. I'm like, how many people in the last few days when GameStop was already up hundreds of dollars from its, from its lows, then were they talking about let's buy it? Because they mm -hmm. want to get in on the action. It's all emotional. But I'm like, if I told you Herc Supplement Store is selling protein isolate for a dollar a jar, how many people would go check it out? And how many would just sit at home going, nah, it's probably going to be sold out by the time I get Like, they're thinking rationally. Yeah. I'm going to be the By the time I heard about it, I'm going to be the last one at the store. There's going to be nothing for me. Right. So how come you can't translate that type of thinking into a, a stock trade? It's like, by the time you heard about it, you who knows nothing about stocks and doesn't care about the market have heard about this thing. I think the trade's over, but <laughs> you're getting in yeah. at the end. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, you know, crapping all over these people because I've done that too, right? Like when I first started, I didn't know anything, and you know, everybody makes mistakes, but like, it's 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 really just a logical thing. I mean, like if if you're trading the pattern and you're trading the emotion, that's fine. You you know, you have a plan, you know what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, like I had I, like we had people messaging us saying like, oh, should like should I buy AMC? Like, you know, should I should I hold on to this thing? Like everybody's talking about it. Like it's gonna go up like crazy over the next little while. And it's like, why would you know it's 2021? You're gonna buy a movie theater stock? Like it's probably it's probably not even gonna exist in five years, you know what I mean? Like, but see, here's the thing. I'm not doing this to shit on these people because I I, I want them to get used to this feeling. I want them to get used to it because it's only getting through this that you're gonna be a better trader. We right. both probably chased and did some really stupid decisions. Oh yeah, and we feel really bad about it, right? And it's that emotion of feeling really bad about it that scarred us, made us smart about not doing it again. So yeah. I'm not pointing this out to shit on the people. I'm pointing this out to take the take it as a learning experience. If you made money and you got out, fucking awesome, don't do it again. Right. <laughs> if you if if you lost money, well, take it as a lesson. Take a very valuable lesson out of this and then move forward. Right. Yeah. That's what my buddy was saying. He's like, he's like, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to throw a hundred bucks in this thing. He's like, imagine how cool it would be if I just made like 10 grand. And I'd be like, I'd be like, man, if you made 10 grand, like I would be more than happy for you genuinely, but take all that money and put it into something that's going to make you more money. Do not keep trying to do this because if it happens once, it will probably never happen again. It's like winning, winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's yeah. literally like we were saying, we're posting for days. This, it's okay to gamble, but know that you're gambling. Don't call it right. trading. You're not a fucking trader. Like this is a gamble. Yeah. You bet on red. If you hit it, awesome, good for you. But that's right. what happened, right? Exactly. As long as you know what you're doing, you, like if you know it's a gamble, you know you're literally, you know, you're putting your hundred bucks in the machine, pulling the lever. It could easily be all gone. You could easily make a thousand bucks. As long as you're you're aware of that, then that's fine. You know, like people like yeah. to gamble. Because it's the habit that's bad, right? It's the cognitive dissonance. If if so, like we all go to a casino, we play some cards, we win or lose, we don't really care. It's not a career, right? right? Because we understand that it's gambling. But as soon as you start to think this is trading and I made a I made money on this trade, then you're gonna start repeating this bad habit, and that's how you're gonna lose your money. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like like I've I've heard stories of guys who you know they get these really really crazy bull markets and basically just buy everything, and then you know it'll, it'll dip way down and come way back up and. You know, they make tons and tons of money in this, you know, for a year in a big bull market. And then all of a sudden you go into a sideways market or a bear market and they're just, you know, they do the same thing. They buy a stock, it drops 20, 30% and they're thinking, oh, okay, well, I'll just keep holding it. You know, it'll come back up eventually and it just keeps going down and down and down. And then, you know, yes. so it's, it's it, that, that, that I think is really the key is just, you know, you gotta, you gotta focus on what, like the stuff you're seeing every day. Like, what are you seeing consistently? Like not these little outliers, like you gotta, you gotta figure out what you're seeing consistently 
learn how to trade patterns that you're seeing all the time, stuff that's happening every day. You know, like I, I was looking at charts that nobody was even talking about and I was making money because like, you know, everyone's like, I'm sitting there, my phone's blowing up GME, GME, you know, KOSS, AMC. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at these other stocks that nobody even knows exists and, you know, making money. And I'm like, all right, well, great. Have fun over there. I'll keep doing what I know works. Right? You know what you just reminded me of? Like, this is like, it's all it happens a lot in the stock market but it's a it's basically a fad right it's just mm -hmm. a one-time blip you know some similar things might happen down the road but they're not predictable and you certainly can't make a career or even like a side job doing it right but what yeah. it reminded me of and i want to give a good example of this like we're old enough to remember shit like Yu-Gi-Oh cards remember pogs oh yeah everybody got into those things to the point where some of them became collectible and people were paying extra way more than they're worth well, what are, what are they worth now? Like a coast, they're like co pogs, like coasters now, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like crazy bones, like all that stuff. <laughs> These things are cool to watch. Maybe if we want to take part in it just for fun, but this is that's like a once in a one off thing. Like they yeah. never happen. Yeah, right? yeah, never but, happen yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the biggest thing, guys. I mean, you know, it's fine to get excited. I mean, you know, if it gets people excited about the stock market and they want to learn to trade, then you know, great, all the power to you. It's you know, it's a great, it's a great, you know, way to make some extra money. And it's a really handy tool, you know, it's something you can use for literally the rest of your life. So I think everybody should learn how to do it. But it's just, you know, just it's like, people don't just make, you know, $10 million in two days, and then do it all that like, that's not, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so just, yeah. you know, look, look for the consistent money, you know, look for, you know, a couple bucks a day, and then just work your way up from there. It's going to be, you know, you don't want that kind of stress either. You don't want to be one of those guys that's just gambling and gives himself a heart attack when he's 25 years old. Like all that's, you know, it's just not worth it. So. And this um, ties into like the next part of what we want to talk about, how we, we strongly believe our bodybuilding backgrounds has helped us as traders and investors. Yeah. I actually right. had the, uh, I remember I was in a chat room a little while ago and I had uh, one of my, my picture was like one of the ones that you took of me actually when I did my prep <laughs> and the guy, one of the guys is like, he's like, oh man, is that you? I was like, yeah. He's just like, he's like, man, he's like, you're going to be a great trader one day if you have that kind of dedication. I was like, really? But yeah, you know, like the more you think about it, it's, 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 it's the same thing. I mean, it's, you know, you're like, I was talking to you just before we did this episode. It's like, okay, you know, you look at stock traders, like, you know, you look at guys like Jay Cutler, a bodybuilder, Ronnie Coleman, right? Like, these guys, you know, they work out for a year, they work out for two years, and they're just massive, shredded, like crazy muscle. You know, how many guys can do that? Maybe, you know, 1% of the guys that are working out all the time, like maybe less, realistically. So, and then, you you know, you hear about traders and it's like, oh, I heard this guy who, you know, he he turned a $5,000 account into a million dollars last year, and now he's worth 10 million. Now he's running a $100 million hedge fund a few years later. It's like, Okay, well that's great, but you know, there's probably maybe one or two of those guys a year realistically. I mean, you know, it's like it's like bodybuilding. Like most of us just have to go in and, you know, do the work every day. You make you get a little bit better, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, you know. It's like trying to work on your bench, you know, aim to add 2, 3, 4 pounds a month to your bench press, you know, aim to add, you know, 2, 3, 4, 5 bucks, you know, a month to your trades. It's it's the same thing. Yeah, like I was going to say like it's just like us in bodybuilding. We're probably never going to be, maybe we get a pro card, but going on the pro stage, like realistically, I know that's never going to happen. Right. But that's not why bodybuilding It's the same thing for trading. It's like, you don't have to aim to be like a millionaire trader. You know, those like bullshit ads you see on YouTube. Oh, I'm trading on my laptop on a beach somewhere. Right. Yeah. That shouldn't be your goal. Right. Your goal should be like 
so let's say for bodybuilding, like I'm great, even if there was no competition, I'm just grateful that I'm in it because it forces me to eat healthier normally, not today, but you know, normally <laughs> eat healthier, right? Just live a better lifestyle. And I don't want to be that guy that breaks his hip at 70 because I just, I'm not flexible. I'm not, I don't have any strength. You know what I mean? There's a yeah. lot of intangibles that come out of it. And like, so with trading and investing, a lot of the intangibles are like, you learn to be really responsible with your money. You, you learn to view money in different ways, right? You learn to like, like one of the most important things I got out of trading is learning to identify opportunity cost, right? Mm. I have 20 something thousand dollars in my Bitcoin trading account right now, right? A lot of people say, wow, if you got $20,000, take it out, buy a car, do, do, do all this stuff, right? But in my head, I'm like, every dollar I have in that account, I could turn to $10, you know, some months or years down the road. That's an opportunity cost. So if I buy that car today, I rob myself of my future. Right. Right. So yeah. there's a lot of things that you can gather from it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's like it, it's just such a long term game. And like I know, you know, especially at times like this, you know, you see like these get rich quick thing. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, if you're you know, if you're a kid, you're 18 years old, you know, you see pro bodybuilders like I want to get huge, man. Like I want to be benching 400 pounds. I want to be, you know, 250 pounds shredded. Like that's great. But, you know, it's it's you really can't rush it. You got to take, you know, it's going to take you 10 years to get there. And same with trading. I mean, like the reality is, is the amount of time it takes, like, like we were talking again, like I said, you know, I've been doing this for about four years now, but you know, I've, I've only consistently become profitable, like relatively recently. And the reality is I've been working a full-time job that entire time. So I've probably only spent maybe like five or six weeks of an act, like a full day in front of the screen, watching the charts in four years. Right. So I like I, I don't have a ton of like, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to sit there for six months and watch charts and just do that. Right. So you got to look at your life circumstances, too. I mean, if you're if you're doing a job or you, or you don't have a job or whatever, where you can you can watch the charts all day, you know, maybe in six months you can be making pretty good money in the stock market day trading. It's very possible. It happens all the time. But, you know, if you have a full time job or, you know, you're busy or, or your, your life just doesn't work like that, then you know, maybe it's going to take you six, seven years. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's different for everybody, but the, the bottom line is you got, you got to really think of it as, you know, how much am I actually making? What's this money worth to me? You know, if, if you think of, you know, making an extra 50 bucks a day, like think about how much that could change your life, right? Like 50 bucks a day, you know, what's that like, like 12,000 bucks a year. Like, you know, if you get a $12,000 raise at your job, like that's a big raise. Like that, that would be like, You'd go home excited, like, you know, you look at your paycheck every week thinking like, holy crap, like, you know, there's a ton of money, right? But when you look at it like, oh, you know, I made 50 bucks today or 30 bucks or whatever, and you see these guys like, oh, yeah, another $10,000 day, like, it doesn't matter. Like, th that's irrelevant. Like, you don't know that guy. He, he, he might have been trading for 20 years. Like, he might have just become profitable five years ago. Maybe it took him 15 years to get there. And now he's just so excited. He's got to tell the world about it, right? So... It's, it's the same thing, you know, that's why like, they're just so correlated. If you, you know, you, you see guys on Instagram bodybuilding and it's like, oh man, this guy's like, you know, I'm 30 years old and he's 25 and he's already way bigger than me. He's got his pro card and he's way stronger. Like, oh man, like I got it, you know, I got to get there. I gotta, it's like, just ignore that. Like do your work, do your thing, figure out what works for you. You know, his training style is not going to work for you. You know, this, the trader you're watching is making $10,000 a day. His patterns might not work for you it's it's they're both very individual and it, it just takes a lot of time to to figure out what works for you i mean like you know what training style works for you what trading style works for you and you know and, and also how far you're willing to go with it i mean you know you look at you know mr olympia like 
you know, are, are you willing to push your body that far? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to, to go to those extremes? It's, it's the same as stock trading. You know, the idea of making $10,000 a day is really appealing, but you know, are you, do you really have the mentality to put that much money on the line? Like, are you, are you going to be able to, to do that comfortably every single day? Are you going to be able to, to risk that amount of capital all the time? Like, you know, you might not, you might just not have that in you. Right. So there's all these factors that it's, it's just, it all seems exciting and it seems great, but you really have to not focus on other people and just, just try and figure out something that works for you where you're comfortable. I mean, if stock trading stresses you the hell out and you're, you're sweating your ass off and you're always nervous and you know, you're, every day when you have a little loss, you feel like you want to like rip your hair out. Like something's not working for you. You got to look at a new style. You got to figure out what to do, you know, lower your size, whatever it takes, but that, that shouldn't be your day-to-day -day life. Like if, you know, if you're doing that and it's stressing you out that much, you got to, you got to re rethink something, you know, maybe, maybe trading's not even for you, but it's, there's, there's a lot of factors that are, that go into it. I think. Well, I was going to, I was going to say like, cause I did a post the other day saying that you're an excellent day trader because you're like a freaking Marine, like nothing shakes to you. Right. And, and to, and that's one, that's a huge thing to be a day trader. You, you can't be shaken by the price moves. You can't be shaken by the market. You have to think logically and clearly. Right. Right. Me, you see my post. I'm a pretty emotional guy. Like I, I get, I get triggered pretty fucking easily, right? Yeah. But the funny thing is, I've found a way to to be able to trade uh, consistently, and make money, right? Right. But 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 going on to what you said earlier, I thought it was really funny because it seems like we both started trading about four years ago. So we've had the, uh, about four years in it. Both of us started just making money recently, like in the last year and a bit, right? And you said it's pretty common on your forum that those guys are saying it's it's that's about the time period, right? Yep. But here's what I found that was interesting, though. You said you spent about five weeks just kind of like really digging into it. And then and then you you got gotten to the point where you can consistently make money over the four year span. Right. I have been trying very hard for all four years because my job is seasonal. Right. So I do have like chunks of time off. Right. So I've tried very, very hard during those chunks of time off to learn. And it still took me four years. So I think this is an awesome contrast for people to realize that there's a set amount of time that you should expect to get good at this, but there's also a variable in the amount of effort. Like some people just take to it and some people don't, right? right. And I think the reason that it took me so much longer was because of my emotional factor, right? But that's not to say that you can't be a trader if you're emotional, because what I found has worked for me is that there's a, there's a few things I can, I can do to get over being overly emotional, right? If I bet a smaller size, I'm obviously not going to care too much about the trade. And suddenly that mitigates a lot of the emotional factor, right? If if I'm getting, so I think I'm pretty good at the technicals now, reading chart patterns, candles and stuff, right? So if I can get really good at, at identifying the, the technicals and just stick to a plan, then I can do well. It'll just override my emotions. Cause I'm like, I don't care how I'm feeling. That's my plan. If the stock price moves beyond where I, I'm comfortable, I'm out. I don't care, right? And like, I know we're talking like earlier, like I seem to always get out of a trade like 30%, 30% before it reached this top because I'm just emotional. I just want to cash out, but that's okay. Cause I'm still getting out in the green. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I think... I... Sorry. Go on. No, no go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, like, I remember, um, like I, I posted that on our Instagram page the other day. Cause you know, again, with all these stocks that are going right now, everyone's like, oh, you know, if I had bought it at 20 bucks, it's it's $500 now, I would have made this much money. And I, I said, you know, you guys got to realize, like, you, you can't think like that, or it's going to drive you insane. Like, you know, when, when I make a trade, like I have, like with the specific style that I do, I have, I have, a, I have somewhere I want to get in, 
and I have somewhere I want to get out because that's where I'm comfortable. That's what I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't want to say I know, but that's what I'm pretty sure is going to happen. So like one of the trades I took the other day, you know, it was at, uh, I think the stock was at like, like $6 and 20 cents or something. And like, I wanted to get it up close to 650 because that, you know, the way the pattern set up, that's where I was, you know, like I've seen this a bunch of times, usually it goes to there and then it kind of flutters off. Right. So I bought it, you know, I made 30 cents and then it went up, I think to like $8. So, but, you know, that's great. You know, I would have made, you know, 10 times as much as I did, but that's, that's not the play. And, you know, it kept going up, but I didn't see anything that I knew to justify getting back into that position. So I made my money. I took my trade. I know that, you know, 80% of the time that's not going to happen. So I don't really care because I, I got to do what I know works for me. And you, you have to ignore the rest because, you know, hindsight's amazing. It's like, oh, if I bought Microsoft in the, you know, in the nineties, I'd be a millionaire. It's like, yeah, but you know, if 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 you bought Microsoft in the '90s and you know you put, I don't know, I don't know what the price ranges are, but you know, say you put ten grand into it, and ten years later it's worth half a million dollars. Like, you know, think about who you are. Are you going to sell that? Like, I know a lot of people probably would have sold it. They probably would have sold it earlier. You know, if you turn ten thousand into a hundred thousand, probably get probably sell it, and then you know, and then it goes up even higher, and you could have been worth ten million, but you took the hundred thousand, right? Like, it's it's all hindsight. So you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at it like that. I find like, like mentally it, it helps you. It helps me a lot anyways, in day trading, not get stressed out about those big moves. Just have a set plan, you know, where you want to get in, where you want to get out and everything outside of that. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. There's a trader that, um, I was following when I first started years ago, he was really good at te the technicals, but he said one thing that stuck in my mind. He's like, you plan the trade and you trade the plan. You don't go outside of that box. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Yeah, because like, like the the thing is like, yeah, you got out at thirty cents, but the thing went up like a few bucks. But people who think probabilistically about their profits or their losses are just doing themselves a disservice because it do, you can't change the future, you can't predict the future, and you can't change the past, right? What right. you can c control is what's happening right in front of you. I'm in my profit; it's according to plan. I'm getting out. You should be proud of that, right? Yeah. Some of my most some of my most uh, memorable trades has nothing to do actually because it's especially important to me because I'm emotional, right? Some of the best trades that I've done have nothing to do with the dollar value of how much money I made. Some of the best trades I've done were me stopping out. Yeah, I set you know what I mean, and you know me, I don't really set stops. So when I do, I'm like, that's it. So when I stopped out and I'm rum, I'm just like, I'm so freaking proud of myself for doing that. Yeah, like right? honestly, I've had times where I've stopped out of a trade. And it's it's dipped down, done something weird I've never seen before and gone right back in my direction. But like, you know, you have that split second of frustration. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? Like I stuck to my plan and I know that most of the time that's that's where the play dies. So I got to I can't just eliminate this stop now because that's going to cost me more money in the future. Right. I, 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 I didn't want to talk about this, but because it happened like two days ago, but I feel more comfortable <laughs> now because I've told two people. But um. So, so, you know, sometimes I, I like sleep really late at night or don't sleep at all. Cause I'm just reading a bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so the other day I didn't sleep and I was tra trading Bitcoin in the morning cause it's 24 <laughs> seven. And, um, I was watching something play out in the pattern and I was about to make an order. I was about to make a market order. Cause it was like a, an audible. I just saw something take place. Right. So I put 50 contracts for sale and then the stock price just kind of changed what the, what the outlook was going to be. And I'm like, you know what, let me stay out of it because. I think I know what's going to happen, but I'm not to that level of certainty. So let me just not play it. Right. So I just left it. I walked away done. I came back a few hours later and I saw another play. I'm like, okay, shit, I want to play this. 
market. I was, but I wasn't sure. So this is where position sizing comes in. I was like, I'm, let me put in uh, 30 contracts. I'm not so 50. I was sure. 30. I'm not so sure. Right. So I plugged in 30 real quick. I'm a little groggy and tired. I plugged in 30 real quick, and I hit market. And I got into the position, so I'm just again looking back at the charts, back and forth in my position. I'm just checking it out, and then I look down on my PL. I'm like, "How the fuck am I up fifteen hundred bucks?" Because mm. usually my trades, well, maximum net me like two fifty. Like that's a good day, right? I'm up fifteen hundred dollars in this trade. I put fifty, and I never deleted it. Then I put thirty in front of the fifty. Oh shit! I was in a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar position. Oh, <laughs> so. With a half a percentage move, that's how I made $15,000. Wow. <laughs> I took a screenshot, I set my stop, and the second I set my stop, it went against me. Really? I still have the screenshot. I, I wish I had the screenshot with the stop, but I the, did literally the minute. Did you make money or did it just cut you out at break even? With the fees and shit, and like it was so close, like I just, I made nothing. I made like $3 off of it. Wow. I've done that before. Is I could have lost like I don't even know how much, right? Yeah. Holy, yeah, man. Like I did that. I think the the worst time I ever did that. I was trying to trade. I don't remember what the stock was, but it was like it was like a sixty dollar stock. And this is like you know this is probably a year ago now. Like when I I definitely don't know what I know now. And I was trying to short it on a bounce. And I typed in. I was trying to type in a hundred shares. And then I was like, ah, I don't really want to do a hundred. I want to do like maybe fifty. And then I was like, no, I'm going to do a hundred. And then like, just in that whole process, like fumbling it up, I ended up typing in 10,000. <laughs> it's like, so I clicked it and then it like, it went up like a couple cents. And I was like, you know, at the time, like at this point I'm trying to make like 10 bucks a trade. Right. So it went up and I was down like $600 in like a couple seconds. And I was like, Oh, fuck. So, and it, it ended up just like flipping back down for a split second. And I got out of, it. I made like 30 bucks. Cause I covered it like a couple pennies below where it was in. And then right after that, it tanked like probably like seven or eight dollars, like seconds later. But I was just like, oh, man. like I had to get out because I was like, there is no way I'm holding this many shares. So I just took yeah, the whole yeah. thing off. But that scared yeah, the absolute hell out of me. <laughs> see, but see, that's that's discipline on both my end, right? Both our ends. Like, I can imagine a situation where somebody saw that they've profited fifteen hundred bucks. They're like, let's write this thing. Yeah, fifteen hundred bucks in like a half a percentage move. Let's go to a full percent. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, me yeah. and you were like, "No, this is bad news." Oh yeah, <laughs> get me the hell out of this thing. Yeah, <laughs> scared the crap out of me. Yeah. The other thing too, I wanted to touch on, just like while we're still on this topic, like just going back to like as far as like people like learning things. I was just th I was thinking today. I forgot to mention it. Like a lot of people too. Like you know how everybody kind of has like a specific pattern or a specific style that works for them, right? So. There's some people, you know, you might be lucky enough that within the first month of trading, you've just find that pattern that works for you, right? Whereas some other people, it could take you a year, right? Like the patterns that I trade now, I didn't start looking at until probably four or five months ago. And like, they just, they just look like I see them and it's like, wow, that's like clear as day. That's where I need to trade this thing. Like, it's like a no brainer, right? But I, I had not, I've never seen... Well, like I've seen them, but I'd never noticed that pattern until recently, right? In my my years of trading. So that's that's just kind of another point. I just it's off topic a little bit, but I just wanted to bring that up. Like, you know, there's there's so many different ways to trade, so many different indicators that, you know, some people are lucky enough to just find what works for them immediately. And they might just do that for their whole life. Whereas some people, 
you know, whatever their trading style is, it might take them six years to find out what works for them. And they're going to see it and go, oh man, I used to see this years ago and I just never noticed it. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I think we, we were talking about this a few days ago where, um, you seem to be more comfortable shorting, right? At least now, like that's, that's your favorite play. I am now. Yeah. We, like weirdly enough, but like, I mean, the problem I'm still dealing with obviously is like, I'm in Canada and I, I can't find a broker that has a locate right. feature, which you know, it really like it handicaps me a lot. But recently, just because like there's been so many plays that are moving, there hasn't been a ton of attention on any one single stock. So like when you get into the summer and things are slower, you know, there might be one or two that are moving in the morning and then all the shares are gone. Right. So I can't short them. So that's why I've always kind of been like focused on longs. But like having the having the ability over the past couple months to focus on shorts just because there's so many available, like it's I, it's it's just it's way easier for me to, to see on the short side like way clearer i still i still have long setups that i like to play and i'll still play them but like the shorts they're they're quicker they're more clear cut like so you know i'm I'm really focusing on those now yeah no i was gonna say the, that's the funniest thing about you you were saying like people need to find their own style and whatever suits their personality right because mm -hmm. we're used basically the same tools we're looking at the charts we're looking at candlesticks chart patterns and reading all the indicators right but we have completely different trading styles like i love catching knives i don't just go long i wait for shit to crash and i i figure out where where it's going to crash to and i want that spot and they just buy it you know what i mean like right. it's just weird how it works out yeah i remember you told i was showing you on uh friday one of the trades i was doing and i was like oh man you know, it was lmfa and it dipped down <laughs> it bounced back up and you're and like a little bit i'm like oh man you know i, I said i got my orders at like 270 or whatever it was for a reshort and it was at like 250 or 240 at the time you're like oh just catch like catch the knife catch the bounce so i was like no i was like these aren't the companies that you bounce man i was like these are the companies that stab you <laughs> so that's a good point because i remember like oh yeah you play like these low flow shit companies right with no fundamentals but they're great for trading whereas yeah. i trade companies that are good so there's a very good chance where they will bounce like i trade high volume high cap stocks right so yeah yeah, yeah that's pretty funny it's very different, but like they're simple. I mean, we still trade the same like general setups and stuff too. It's just like, you know, different different types of different types of trades, different time frames, stuff like that. So Yeah, we're reading the same stuff, but we're just identifying different opportunities, whatever it is that fits our personality. Yeah. Yeah, you get too you get too angry if something didn't bounce and then you just short it way too low and then it would go against you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like really so uh of the four years that I was that I was learning trading. Uh, and I always played futures during that time. I blew up at least five different accounts. Really? I just blew it up. Wow. Did you ever try? Did you ever try just like day trading, like just like normal stocks, like the stuff that I play, or no? You know what it is. Um, at that time, I was only I, I I I never thought to look at these very low low cap stocks, which have the high volatility, and the high cap ones really don't, right? And right. so the only reason I played futures and I played crypto was because they like a like a like a small day of volatility on crypto is like five percent, like right. you, you, like a twenty percent move day is like a normal day. So like I I wanted to play that kind of volatility. Yeah, yeah. I know. I guess I guess too. If you're looking in like the large caps and stuff, like you know, like if if you're in that world, like you know, they kind of they kind of crap on the the small cap land, right? Because like all oh, those are way too volatile it's gambling like don't touch those there's no way to read them the patterns don't work you know i've heard it all right like people tell me all the time like oh what you're doing is gambling it doesn't work and i'm like okay well i made money so <laughs> i think it works it's just the interesting thing it's a it's a with the with the large caps time frame issue right with the small caps they'll move they'll have the same moves but in like the minute the five minute ten minute hourly charts yeah. right 
right. the large caps, I'm looking at the same thing, but it's taking place on a daily, weekly, and monthly charts. So it's a yeah. matter of patience, right? So that's why my main money is in investing because I'm like, we're, we're still seeing the same patterns just over different time frames, And so like for my investing, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a dip this month and I'll wait it out six months, a year, whatever it is, right? But it's still yeah. the same idea. Yeah. And I remember we were, we were talking about that before too, or, you know, you were, you were saying that once you learn technicals, it just made your, your trading even that much better because before you were, you know, you're fully fundamentally based. So you wouldn't really know where you were buying on the chart and then, you know, it might come way down or whatever, but your, your thesis is still good. So, you know, you're going to still make money, but now you can just, you know, time those, time those entries a little bit better and capitalize on it even more. Right. Yeah. There's two things. I, 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 I always tell this to people. I'm like a good entry could negate a bad trade. Yeah. Right. If you're wrong about the stock, but you were like bang on with your entry, you can get out and profit. You could, you know, there's a lot of play. Right. Whereas like if you're just, you know, but but I want to say like when those early days when I was trading only on fundamentals, when I got to the point where I believed my thesis, I liked my research, <laughs> do you know how I decided when to buy it or what price? What? I literally pulled up the chart. I'm like Oh, this is the high of the month. That's the low of the month. I'll buy in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that works, sure. <laughs> you know, middle utility. That's you know. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's how I decided to get in, man. There was a so I, I there's a video that I sent to you earlier that I was watching. It's a book that I read years ago. Um, it's called Outliers, but it it put me down on this path of um thinking. Because I get I get asked I've gotten I, since we started this channel I've gotten more people messaging me and asking you know how do I get started they want like um a checklist or like a book or a one resource to kind of like get into it with right and mm -hmm. it's like there's a bunch of resources out there but I think more important than the resource is people should really I I, I call it taking an inventory of who they are their personalities um, because that should inform where you all the areas you learn you focus your learning on, right because it like really it takes like a weekend to learn how to read a candlestick and chart patterns like there's not much to it right but mm. it's everything else that makes a difference right, right. so like um well a couple things there's like years ago i read this book called anti-fragile it's written by the guy nasim taleb he made a ton of money in 2008 when you the whole market crashed right and his whole betting style was based on betting on things that rarely happen right but that book touched on a really interesting subject. It's like, if I were to ask you, what is the opposite of fragile? What would that one word or couple of words be? Hard. Hard. <laughs> right? So a lot of people would say that. They're like, the opposite of fragile is hard, rigid, solid, whatever. It's something, you know, right? Very sexual. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says that's the wrong definition. And he this is his argument. He's like, the opposite of fragile should be something that gets stronger when when given force if you take so i don't care how hard something is given a sufficient amount of force it'll crack it'll be brittle it'll break right hmm. but the opposite of fragile should be something that gets stronger or will withstand whatever it comes at it right and so uh one of the one of the things he touches on is like most people think a nine-to-five job is strong it's solid for in terms of stability income stability right but it's like go back to 2008 how many people in just one day lost their jobs right across age groups and how hard and how devastating is that to your family to your income right so it's like thinking a nine to five job is anti-fragile is an error he's like if you look at 
if you look at a cab driver, an Uber driver or whatever, right? You think their lifestyle is fragile because it's like, it's not income security somewhat, right? You don't know where your next check is coming from. But he argues like, well, think about it. If he has a, if he has one client ditch, ditch him today, he might have five more show up later. He's not, his, his income isn't set to one source. As many clients as that can, that you can put, get in your car, that's your income, right? Mm. And so going, going back to what we were saying about like people getting into trading as a side hustle, as a hobby, that's making, that's adding anti-fragility into your life, right? Right now, both of us, most people aren't really working, especially me, right? But I'm still able to generate an income. So like my income sources have gotten to the point where it's kind of anti-fragile. I have my investment portfolio, I have my day trading portfolio, then I have my photography stuff. If either one of these things doesn't go well, I have the other one to rely on. So this is what's meant as anti-fragile. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool to start thinking about that, right? So it's a good idea to get into like to get into this just to kind of add some stability to your life. Yeah. I think that I think that just goes for, you know, anybody. excuse me, anybody like in general, I mean, you know, it's like, they always say that, you know, the richest guys in the world have seven sources of income, but I mean, you know, I think, I think everybody should have at least a couple sources of income, you know, whether it's, you know, day trading, you have long-term investing, maybe a little bit of real estate, you know, just something, because if, if you're relying on one thing, I mean, especially in the corporate world, I mean, I I worked in corporate and I absolutely hated it. And I, I seen stuff that like, you know, that totally opened my eyes to the way that world works. I mean, I, I worked as an engineer and um, I remember like the, the first time I saw, it, you know, I was right out of school and uh, I was on a site and the developer for the, like I worked in subdivisions and stuff, the developer comes out and he's like this newer, like kind of younger guy. And the guy that was there before, he was like, you know, he was great. He was like, you know, he was an older gentleman. <clears throat> he had like, I don't know, 15 sites on the go. He knew more about this, like more about the site than I did. And I was there every day. Like the guy was, like phenomenal at his job and this new guy comes in and he's like you know he's a younger guy or whatever and i ask him like uh like oh like he's you know so and so like doesn't work here anymore they say no you know he kind of like they they let him go and i was like oh that's that's kind of weird so like i I, you know i kind of weaseled my way around and it kind of got to the bottom of it and basically what had happened is is you know he essentially got too expensive so what happened is they they literally they walked in one day he'd been there for i think 15 years 20 years walked in, took his computer while he was working on it, just closed his computer so he couldn't take or delete any company files, gave him a severance package for two years pay and said, you know, thank you very much. We appreciate everything you've done and and walked him out the door, just like just like that. And then the same thing happened again a little bit later with one of the one of the builders that I knew. I was, you know, I was emailing him and then I I get a I get a response back. This is maybe, you know, six or seven months later. You know, the, the economy is fine and everything at this point. This is years ago. Like there's nothing wrong. You know, business is great. And then I get a bounce back email and it's somebody else. And I was like, oh, you know, like what happened to what happened to so and so? And it was the exact same story. They said, you know, he's, he's he'd been there for I think he'd been there for 25 years or something like the guy was like in his 50s. And they just came in and said, you know, like, sorry, like we're we have budget cuts coming from from head office. Like we're going to have to let you go. And, you know, now the guy's he's 50 something years old. He's probably got five, six more years to retirement, you know. First off, who's going to hire someone that old at the kind of wage he's going to be getting? Because they know he's going to be there for maybe a couple of years at best. And, you know, so I, I started seeing that as soon as I saw that the first time, I immediately started looking to get out of there. <laughs> I started looking for jobs right away. So like yeah. this, this is not stability. This is scary. Yeah. And I'll even take the other side of the coin. Let's just say you're in the job and you work it till, till the end, right? 
but I, I personally know a lot of people that I grew up with that are in jobs they absolutely hate. And the problem, this one guy, he was actually a high school friend of mine. He messaged me like about a year ago asking me ideas on how to start a side business because he's like, he's in a job he doesn't like. He's got a mortgage. He's got, um, he's, he got, he just got married at the time and they're thinking about having kids, right? So it's like, even if you wanted to leave the job, forget just losing a job. Even if you want to leave the job, you're pretty much locked, mm -hmm. right? Whereas if you had a decent side hustle that could that could kind of like keep you going for a little bit and that job is making you miserable you might be able to take kind of leave it and just look for something better you have that cushion right right but putting all your eggs in one basket there's so many different things that could make make it such a hard uh hard go at it you know hard life at it yeah i know i think a lot of people don't really look at it that way as you know it's just it's just you know it's stability it's 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 just making everything a little bit more comfortable you know the more the more stuff you have coming in from different places the less any one thing is going to impact your life right and that's that's kind of what it all comes down to you know i've ever like i always i always think you know it's it's really not you know it's not money i'm not looking to you know I don't, i'm not like oh, i need to make this much money every day it's 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 the freedom like that's what you we want to have right like the freedom to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it from wherever you want to do it be comfortable like you know in hard times i mean that's that's just why i love the market so much i mean you know the markets have been here since the 1800s i mean they're they're not going anywhere tomorrow and if they do then we got a lot bigger problems on our hands yeah. than, than <laughs> just not being able to trade right so that's right that's you know, right like I, you know you can be you can learn how to do this now and you know you can be 80 years old and retired and just you know pedal away at it at home if you want you want to go on vacation like okay like you know let's trade the markets for a little bit, make some money and pay for our vacation. You don't have to go back to work. Like it's like, it, it's just, it's, there's so many opportunities. That's why I like it so much. Yeah. I think like, um, it, it's like what we were saying about bodybuilding. Not all of us have the genetics to be an IFBB and very few have like to be the top of the IFBB. Right. But mm. that's not the point. The point is you get started. You can go somewhere. It's still better than yesterday. Yeah. And you never know where it could take you. Right. M maybe we don't become millionaire trader it's not that I don't, I don't even think we even want to but that's not the point we have we the, our, our efforts to get here have benefited us so much more just you know and right. it's the same way where a lot of people are like oh i i don't want to look like you like so i used to be a personal trainer like all of us right so some people were like i don't want to look like you i don't want to put this much work on i just want to lose five pounds it's like that's fine you don't have to, you, you, that's 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 fine lose the five pounds the point is you still have to learn how to lose it healthy yeah. right so yeah trading like you don't expect to think about making a main bucks or whatever just be like make five bucks ten bucks a hundred bucks you just start working your way up you never know where you're gonna go unless you try but you can get somewhere the point is right right Even and you, you gotta, you gotta like, find out you, no go yeah, ahead yeah. you got you gotta find out if you really like it too i mean like a lot of yeah, i think it's right. i think it's like i think it's like anything you know it's like bodybuilding like i'm sure there's a ton of people that want to you know look like well, I don't want to say Jay Cutler because probably not, but like, I don't know, like I don't follow physique or anything. I don't know. Something like Callum Von Moger, let's say, or, yeah, you know, yeah, Michael yeah. Hearn, like someone like that, you know, there's, there's probably thousands of people that would love to look like that, but they just, they don't have a passion for going to the gym. Like it's miserable. They hate it. They don't like the dieting and they, you know, so they, they like the idea of looking like that, but they don't, you know, they're not, I don't want to say they're not willing to put in the work, but they just, they just don't have the passion for it. You know, it's not like, Oh, I want to wake up on a Saturday morning and go hit legs because I'm going to look like that one day. Like if you don't have that, you're never going to get to that level. Right. So trading is the same kind of thing. I mean, you know, unless I, I think unless you have a real passion for it, like I, I was telling you the other day, like, you know, I go to bed at night and I close my eyes. Like I, all I see is stock charts. Like 
I'll lay there and I toss and turn. And like, if I think about something, I'm like, wait, I think I saw this today. I'll get out of bed, turn my computer on and look at the chart and be like, oh yeah, there it is. And then I'll save it and I'll look at it the next day. Right. And like, you know, outside of work, I spend like, like Monday to Friday, I'm on my computer at least probably, I would say four to six hours every night, Monday to Friday. And then I spend probably, you know, six, seven hours, both Saturday and Sunday on my computer or reading like every day. And I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this full time. It's, you know, it's, it's just a part-time thing for me right now, but it's, it's one of those things that I can't stop thinking about. So, you know, we'll see where it takes you. But even if you don't have like, you know, like if you think about the fitness side of things, like you might not necessarily want to go to the gym five, six days a week and, you know, look like Mr. Olympia, but you can go to the gym two or three days a week and keep yourself in really good shape. I mean, you could, you could learn how to trade and not be that obsessed with it and, you know, swing trade lightly. And, you know, you could make an extra five, 10, $15,000 a year. And that's, I mean, that's huge. Like that, that would pay for a vacation that would pay for, you know, half your mortgage that would pay for, you know, car payments. Like it's, it's, it doesn't have to be a million dollars to be life changing. I think that's what people need to realize. I think that's a really good analogy uh, to, to put out there. It's like, if you, if you told somebody that's just average body or maybe slightly out of shape and you're like, all you had to do was change your eating habits by 20, 30%. And then show up at the gym a couple hours a week. That's not unreasonable to ask. But just to do that effort, you're going to see some incredible improvements. Like all of us in the fitness industry know the incredible uh, composition change you're going to get just from that. Mm -hmm. Right? Especially if your goal is not to compete. It's the exact same thing with training. What if you get good enough to just pay for a vacation every year? How cool is that? That's great. Like it would feel like you're going on a free vacation, right? Exactly. That vacation is going to just sweet it's free that you did on the side out of something that you were entertained by anyway yeah exactly right like and, and you know a lot of people like maybe a lot of people don't even want to do it full-time like you might get into it and you know find that you're pretty good at it but maybe maybe it still just does make you nervous to to really commit and do that full-time like that's fine you know like maybe you get to the point where you're making 50 60 thousand dollars a year and working a full-time job but you love your job keep working your job keep making your Fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year in the market, you're going to be even better off, right? It's yeah, and even on the non-trading side of it, right? Because I started off as an investor, and the reason was well, there's a couple reasons, but now that I'm really grateful for is because I I, I work for I'm self-employed, I, I don't have a pension, I don't have that kind of security for my old age, right? But the fact that I started investing nine nine years ago now, I'm I'm up twenty something percent, like twenty x what I started mm -hmm. with. I could retire now and be okay. Mm -hmm. But by the time I reach retirement, that thing is just going to be awesome. My RSP is just going to be fantastic, right? So it, for the people that maybe don't think they can put in this much time or just don't aren't cut out to be a day trader, that's fine. Take the same tools that we both use for both activities and just kind of invest. Find those entries, do the thesis, research a company. Because a lot of us in the fitness industry are self-employed, right? Whether it's coaching or whatever it is, right? Where's, where's your, ask yourself, where's your pension? Where, where, you know, don't ignore that question of where you're going to be at 65, right? You right. should look forward to go, being 65. You're like, I got a nice cushion waiting for me. And yeah. it's something you could do on the side. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're going to make way more money, you know, investing long-term than you ever will in an interest rate in a bank, like in a savings account. So <clears throat> I, I, I don't even like, even people that I know that make six figures, I don't know how much they're actually saving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much everything we're going to go over today, guys. Uh, 
try to touch on a few different topics and uh, you know bring you guys up to speed on what's going on in the markets and a couple other things that we had on our minds. So as always, you know, like and subscribe and give us comments. Like you know, the more input you guys give us, like we'd love to hear what you want to what you want to hear us talk about and try and get that into the next episode. So oh, uh, I just want to add that going going on that yeah please send us any comments and feedbacks as well because i got a really great one just before we started this asking us if we could do an episode going through the brokerages kind of reviewing i guess the platforms and whatnot and i was telling caitlin like i just made a quest trade account because i wanted to trade some options brokers. Or, why did i say quest trade yeah <laughs> yeah interactive brokers and then uh we're probably going to do an episode where you walk me through the platform because i just made the accounts fresh i just connected my bank account i didn't i haven't touched it yet so um, we could, you could walk me through that and hopefully it'll be useful for the viewers. Yeah, we can just go like screen share and I can show you how to set up all your charts and everything. And yeah. Yeah, and most platforms are very similar anyway. So if you yeah. know how to kind of navigate one of them, you can navigate all of them. Yeah, for sure. Cool. cool. All right. Thanks, guys.